You are listening to The Millennial, The Man, and Miss Crystal, a podcast ministry of Old Town Community Church. Here are Pastor Phil, Pastor Brian, and Crystal. Hello, Old Town Community Church friends. Uh, you are joining the first ever podcast from OTCC. Joining you is myself, uh, Pastor Phil, uh, along with Pastor Brian and uh, Crystal. And we just wanted to do uh, a podcast for you and record a podcast for you just to use uh, during this incredible time that we're in uh, of this social distancing because of the coronavirus. The nature of this podcast will be a mix of current events, a little bit of silliness, and also a word of spiritual encouragement uh, as we all look for ways to navigate uh, this crazy time. Our prayer is that this podcast will give a little bit of info, a little bit of humor, a distraction, and of course, uh, a word of of spiritual encouragement. I want to kick it off by uh, an icebreaker type of of question uh, for uh, Brian and Crystal and myself, so you can get to know us a little bit. But um, so where did you grow up? And what was your favorite cereal uh, as a kid? I grew up one hour west in Warrington, Virginia. Growing up, my favorite cereal was Lucky Charms, uh, because how could you not like the variety and excitement that come with that? Now, in my older age as an adult, uh, my favorite is Marshmallows and Stars. Yes, that's the Aldi ripoff brand. So why pay $4 for the great (laughs) cereal when you can pay $1.39? What about you, Crystal? Well, Brian, um, Frosted Lucky Charms were my favorite as well. Like, I loved the commercial. I loved eating the marshmallows first and then the oat circle things and then um, the milk last. Like, that was the least favorite part. But I am totally with you as a child. Now, um, I don't really eat cereal. But, <laughs> but I'm with you as that thinking about childhood memories. And then in regards to where I grew up, I spent most of my um, younger years in a little town called Sierra Vista, Arizona. It's right, um, it's 60 miles south of Tucson, 30 miles away from the Mexican border, really small town, um, had a military base, and little fact, Barbara, um, who is a member of OTCC, actually lived in the same small town with me. We know a lot of the same people, but our paths didn't cross when we lived there. But it's cool to know that we have that connection. Wow. So, okay, so I want to tell you mine, but I I need to ask a question about this fascination with uh, Lucky Charms. (laughs) Was it the leprechaun in the commercials that, that drew you to Lucky Charms? I mean, what made you get your first box? The marshmallows. Well, you could have oats and healthy stuff, or you could have marshmallows. And the advertising was great. I can still recite the whole commercial, which was hearts, stars, horseshoes, clovers, and blue moons, pots of golden rainbows, and the red balloons. So the marketing definitely did work on me. <laughs> and they are, Lucky Charms are? Magically delicious. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy uh, how you guys remember a commercial from what 40 years 30 20 years ago somewhere in there have you guys seen lucky charms like ice cream or milkshakes or whatever they now have like a mashup between frosted flakes and lucky charms which i just think is 
that's not, not a good mashup, but someone thought it was good. That's not know. legal. Okay, uh, I grew up in, in Greensboro, North Carolina, in the middle of the state, and my very favorite cereal growing up, I didn't get it all the time, but was uh, Cocoa Krispies. Not Cocoa Puffs. Cocoa, Cocoa Puffs, not nearly as good as uh, Cocoa Krispies. And so um, that was my favorite. And I'll be honest with you, I don't ever get them anymore because I really don't eat that much cereal at all. But I don't get them because it, it, they're just hard to stop eating. Well, let me ask, let me ask you one more question, just as this kind of get to know time. Fascinating. You know, you guys have uh, Lucky Charms uh, in common there. Let me ask you, how about favorite cartoon growing up? Now, I know for millennials, and, and Crystal, you're, you're on the, probably the outer side of millennials. Uh -huh. uh, for millennials, cartoons happen all the time now, which might be part of the uh, creativity and challenge. When I was growing up, cartoons were only on Saturday morning. Let me, uh, what favorite cartoon growing up? Just curious. Well, that's hard. I feel like I had so many, but I do remember Saturday mornings, like running to the television to watch Saturday morning cartoons before my mom would bug me about chores. I think I really liked the Smurfs <laughs> um, and Smurfette was my favorite, right? I still watch cartoons even now, but um, in my older years, Powerpuff Girls were my favorite. I just loved how they they were fighting crime and sticking it to Mojo Jojo. So those are my two favorites. <laughs> That's great. I wasn't cartoon crazy growing up. Uh, my house showed more Weather Channel and Sports Center. But when it did come time for cartoons, the one I remember most fondly is Doug. Oh, Doug. I remember Doug. Yeah. It was a pretty wholesome cartoon and you know, Doug was a good guy, so I enjoyed watching uh, the stuff that happened in his life. Yeah, it's interesting, Brian. Uh, by the way, for those of you who uh, are wondering, Brian is the millennial. I am the man, only in that it just means older. And of course, Crystal is Miss Crystal. It's interesting you said, Brian, you said uh, that Doug is or was a wholesome cartoon, because you've grown up in an era when cartoons aren't necessarily wholesome, you know, with, with different types of cartoons that are now in prime time and all that. Um, I grew up in an era when they were all mostly wholesome. I mean, you know, uh, but I think my favorite cartoon was, I didn't have the patience for Scooby-Doo. I like Scooby-Doo because I'm a dog lover, but I didn't have the patience for it at all. It lasted too long. So I was more of a, a um, Looney Tunes because they would do like, just a little little one, and then there'd be a commercial, then another little one. You know, the stories were, were, were shorter. And, uh, and so that's, those are the ones I liked. Interesting. Um, so kind of going to, so that's a little bit of a get to know, maybe information that uh, um, you've never heard from me and uh, Crystal and Brian, and probably information you shouldn't even store in, in your memories. Um, but so now going to current events, there's a couple of current events in the news that don't have to do with the coronavirus. And I wanted to cover one of those questions first. A big current event yesterday is Tom Brady. Some consider the GOAT, the greatest of all time, six Super Bowl rings, I think. And so just curious what you guys think about Tom Brady leaving 
the Patriots, leaving the Patriots, this team that has been so good to him, this team that Tom Brady would not have been Tom Brady without the Patriots. Tom Brady actually thinks he made the Patriots, but I contend the Patriots made Tom Brady. And he disses them and he leaves. What do you guys think about that? Well, my first question is, like, where is he going? Or he's just leaving. He's just leaving. He doesn't he's know where he's the, going yet. He's going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team that maybe has won five games in five years. Uh, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Well, I don't really know what to think about this. I feel like I need to check in with my nephew, Miles, the 13-year-old who follows all sports. So I will check in with him on this, and I'll let y'all know what I think. So y'all might need to talk about this yourselves. Well, I think Tom is going to ultimately regret this. Uh, what a legacy he has. The resume and the rings speak for themselves. But I can't blame someone who, as they're approaching retirement, wants to leave Foxborough, Massachusetts for Florida. So go for it, Tom. Here's the kicker that I think really makes me uh, want to affirm his decision. Uh, it's all in the details. So if you've watched a Patriots game on TV, um, I think you can tell a lot about a, a franchise by how they celebrate their success. So when the Patriots score a touchdown, in the end zone, uh, they have these guys that call themselves the end zone militia, and they dress up like colonial Minutemen, and they fire muskets when they score, and they're always on TV, and people get excited. It's neat, and it's cute, I guess. But the Buccaneers have an entire pirate ship inside their stadium. The pirate ships have cannons which fire off when they score. So I think cannons beat muskets. Good move, Tom Brady. Wow. Cannons beat muskets. I don't really have an opinion ultimately about Tom Brady leaving uh, the Patriots. I think he's going to do terribly. Um, I think he's going to wash up. I think, I think what this is going to show is Tom Brady wasn't nearly as good as people think he was. Brian. Yeah. One thing about Tom Brady, he gets a lot of you know, kind of negative vibes towards him. I will say this. When I was younger, I was a Boy Scout proud of it too. Don't try to make fun of me for it. And if you're a Boy Scout, you get a magazine called Boy's Life. Uh, and Boy's Life would do profiles on athletes. And whenever it did, they would include the athlete's snail mail address for fan requests. Wow. So every time an athlete was in Boy's Life, I would cut out the picture, put a piece of cardboard in a manila envelope and mail it to them with a self-addressed stamped envelope back to me. Every single person I sent to from Boy's Life wrote back, including Tom Brady, who sent me a picture. And it even says Brian, comma, Tom Brady. So he's a good guy in my book. Yeah. And you think he really signed that? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So this brings us up. And again, not going to bore people too much with this, but okay. Favorite magazine growing up? Uh, Sports Illustrated for kids, you know, easy answer, but I got it. I read it cover to cover. I graduated to adult Sports Illustrated at probably age 11 or 12. Well, I was really big into R&B and there was a magazine called Right On, which had like these great articles about hip hop and R&B um, artists. I would take out the pictures, hang them on my wall and just imagine like these were my best friends, right? But I got to learn a lot about my favorite artists that way. I think when I was growing up, um, my aunt gave me a subscription to a little, and I think it went out of business called Basketball Digest. And I was a big basketball fan back then, probably even bigger uh, basketball fan than baseball fan, uh, although the roles have, have turned on that now. 
And I used to love reading it. And just I'd, when I would get it in the mail, I'd read it cover to cover. And, uh, and same with Sports Illustrated, too. So, um, okay. Hey, so another current event, this has to do with the coronavirus a little bit. What we're seeing now in the news is different ways that people are coping uh, with the coronavirus. And I saw on uh, one website where Arnold Schwarzenegger is coping through this time by having a mini horse and his donkey, and he had them in his kitchen. No. And, and they were cute. They were really cute animals. And he grabbed them both, and, and one of them kind of nipped at the other, and he says, don't bite. But they're really cute. Go, go, go online and see if you can see the picture, Crystal. <laughs> so this leaves me with a question. Okay, so what two animals would you have in your home, not your yard, in your home during the <laughs> coronavirus pandemic? Uh, well, let me just say, like, I'm cringing just thinking about this mini horse and donkey in your home. And you, you said your, his kitchen? In his kitchen, yeah. Oh, I'm horrified. Like, I'm horrified. It looked like a kitchen. You and Brian, I guess, know a little bit about me. I do not like pets. Like, I did not grow up with pets in my home. My parents were very much against that. And we believed, you know, they were great for other people's homes. We would pet them when we passed by, but they didn't belong in our house. So um, just ugh, the thought of that makes me cringe. But if I had to... <laughs> I would be real boring and have a fish and a, a bird of some sort, like low maintenance animals that can be in corners and like just blend in and I'll feed them every now and then. You want them in cages and bowls, don't you? I do because I, it's hard <laughs> enough taking care of myself. I don't, I don't need animals <laughs> to depend on me for life because <laughs> they might not make it. So Crystal, you know, there's a really good, I think there's a decent chance that heaven is going to be like the Garden of Eden and filled with, with people and animals. Oh, and that I'm absolutely fine coexisting with them, but you know, I don't, I don't need to like have them in my house <laughs> well, I, <laughs> right I, about I, now. In okay. heaven, I might have it. I mean, I'll be a new new creation, right? Where I'll be able to deal with that. But right now, I, <laughs> I prefer not to have something living with me so, in my home. So I, I think we believe the Lord is hearing this. <laughs> and so I wonder if you'll be put in charge of <laughs> little horses for eternity. How about you, Brian? This is a very easy answer for me. My first pet would be a hermit crab. I think hermit crabs are cool and they're low maintenance. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the second thing uh, would be a little ant farm. I don't know if you guys remember, they, they were kind of like the size of a, an Etch-a-Sketch and you could watch the ants kind of do their things. Uh, as cool as a mini horse or a donkey or uh, another four-legged creature in my house might be, during this coronavirus in a small townhouse with five-month-old twins, I want absolutely nothing. Uh, else that requires my attention to keep alive and healthy. I would go definitely a dog and a penguin. A penguin? Why a penguin? Yeah. I've always liked penguins. Oh. Think no. about the AC bill though. Yeah, well, I have to get them used to it, but <laughs> or put them in a special room. If you had to be quarantined in one place, where would it be? I would like to be on a farm with lots of land and fresh fruit and vegetables from a garden. 
I went to get groceries yesterday and there was not everything that I wanted. Uh, so right now our fruits that we're eating are mostly frozen fruits and our vegetables are from a can, which is fine. But uh, if I had to be quarantined somewhere, just imagine, you know, fresh peaches or going out in the yard and getting some corn on the cob. So I don't know where geographically that would be right now, but uh, that would be my dream quarantine setting. Hmm. Interesting. Very practical choice. <laughs> Crystal? Yeah, I like that. So mine isn't a geographic location per se, but, and it's not even like silly, it's very serious. I'd love to be quarantined at my sister Kendra's house. We were all on FaceTime the other day, me and both of my sisters, her husband, daughter, and dad. And we're like, we have so much fun when we're all like, stuck in one place together. So I would love for us to all just be stuck at her house. I don't know if her husband <laughs> would like it, but we sure, me and my sister would love to be with our other sister, but we're not. So FaceTime will do. Oh, wow. What a sweet thought. <laughs> um, I would like to be quarantined, just me and my family in a luxury hotel where the staff, that's, that makes the gourmet meals are tested each day so that I don't know that they're infected with the virus. Mm -hmm. The hot tub and the pools are completely scrubbed clean each day. Plus it's my family using it only anyway. And, uh, and then each family member has uh, the ability to go in separate rooms <laughs> um, and yet the ability to also be together with a massive flat screen TV and, and then of course a place to pray and study the Bible. I wanted to throw that in. <laughs> right. Can't forget that. And even if we get quarantined, which I, I, I hope we don't, but if we do, then even though I may be in 10 Norton, I will see that place in my mind. <laughs> Hey, on a serious note, so it's just for those of you who uh, listen to this podcast, you know, again, our hope is just to also honestly bring you a little bit of laughter, maybe a little bit of joy, a, a lighter side of things. But on a serious note, Brian and Crystal, um, how are people in your networks coping with the reality of the coronavirus? I mean, the number of cases of the virus are going up each day. Sadly, the, the death toll is going up each day. What are you hearing? Uh, what are some of your fam? What are your family, your friends, saying, and uh, just what? How are they experiencing it? So reality, I think, has sunk in over the last couple of days that uh, this is going to be probably more like a marathon than a sprint, uh, and to pace not only your supplies and the TV shows that you're watching, but also just your your patience and your just sense of how long this is going to be our reality. Uh, one way I've seen people coping with that is just spending more time on FaceTime, like Crystal mentioned. At our household, we are trying just as rule of thumb to video chat three different people a day. So if we're eating dinner or breakfast or just hanging out, that's one way we're processing and coping with the reality of knowing, hey, if we can't be around people as easily as we'd like to right now, we'll do what we can to bridge any gaps. Well, great way to reach out to people. How about you, Crystal? In general, I think that 
this time is really maybe putting a mirror up to each of us because um, each of us have a different kind of reaction and realization to what it means to be social distancing, to be in our homes more, whether it's with you know, our kids, our, our spouses, or even alone, and kind of um, having more time to have a mirror reveal some of the things, some parts about ourselves that maybe we've been avoiding or just hadn't had a chance to really look at. Um, yesterday I was on Facebook and um, I saw a post from a, a minister in Scottsdale, Arizona. Her name is Brianna Vanderweide. And she wrote about how this time can be revealing of some of our, as she puts it, hidden idols. It, which I might rephrase it as like those truths that we've tried to keep hidden or to avoid. Um, but I also feel like this is a time to heal and connect and to reach out in those. You know, as I was thinking about not only myself being impacted, living alone and like <laughs> like trying to find social interaction wherever I could, like so FaceTime, um, going live on Facebook, reaching out to people via text and group chats. I also thought about, you know, there are various people who are impacted in very different ways that I hadn't even thought about before, like those people who, whose college graduations or high school graduations are canceled. And they're coming to terms with what does that mean, especially if I've worked so hard to achieve this milestone, I might have been the first person in my family to get a college degree. And now this, you know, celebration is postponed, canceled, whatever. So I think it is an opportunity where a lot of people are taking um, or just maybe coming to terms with how this really is impacting them and then also finding creative ways to you know just remain healthy holistically by doing exercising taking mental breaks meditating reaching out to people and i feel like a lot of people are being very transparent and honest with what they're struggling with and i think that's helpful because um, not everybody's going to understand but there's somebody who might be able to recognize that and be able to provide some support or a kind word to help you through the day. I think I have, I've seen, and Brian mentioned this earlier, but as, as a congregation, we, we sort of were, were on the, the front edge of a congregation's response to this, even all the way back a couple of weeks ago, uh, encouraging, you know, fist bumps or elbow bumps and doing communion differently, uh, just trying to stay in front of it. And so I've, I've had conversations with people in my networks who are extremely concerned and have been extremely concerned. And yet I've also had a, a percentage of my networks who were like, you know, I'm not sure this is all about nothing. And, and now, boy, I think everybody's kind of getting on the same page. Um, that seems to be in some way how my networks are, are, are handling it. I also see uh, some sadness that things are setting in, like you said, Crystal, about, uh, you know, our son graduates from law school this year uh, and will probably not have a graduation ceremony. And so there's sadness like that. I've, I've had some people, I've had some own feelings of myself standing in the sanctuary on Sunday uh, right before we went live was just a surreal and sad experience to, to stand in this historic sanctuary that has really uh, had God's people worshiping for uh, week in and week out through wars and through depressions and through all sorts of uh, life experiences. And, and I, ha I heard someone say something like, oh my goodness, it looks like Easter's going to be taken out. And to, to which I responded, and this may be news to you guys, no, no, it won't be. Um, we are Easter people. 
And so uh, an Easter comes for us not by uh, a certain date on the calendar, um, that we're people of the resurrection. And so whenever we gather back as God's people, uh, it's going to be Easter Sunday. And uh, we will sing Easter hymns. We will have an Easter egg hunt. If it's the 4th of July, it's going to be an Easter celebration Sunday. God's people are, are constant reminders of the resurrection and that there's something greater and more powerful than, than disease and death. So I think that it's been all over the place. I had a great phone conversation with a young minister this morning, and he obviously is responding, but boy, he's responding with a lot of faith and trust uh, and looking for ways to be uh, the church and to be redemptive. Let me um, leave uh, with a couple of notes as we wrap up the podcast. But first of all, let me encourage our, our folks who who may be listening. Uh, first of all, pass this on. We, we want this to be a, uh, a source of, of blessing uh, to others. And scripture says we should obey governing authorities. And so please listen to government officials uh, and health professionals. Practice social distancing. Be smart. Uh, love your neighbor by keeping your distance at this point, at least physical distance. It doesn't mean that you have to keep social uh, distance. Those two are, are different. Uh, practice all the precautions, washing your hands and all this, and 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 prepare in, in a wise way, not a hoarding way, but prepare to potentially have to shelter in place um, if, that, if it comes uh, to that. The Bible verse that I shared Sunday, I'll share uh, just again, is 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Uh, the bumper sticker version is 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him for he cares for you. That's a promise from scripture. And with every promise, there's a premise. And the premise to that promise is 1 Peter 5, 6, uh, which says, uh, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand and he will lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you. And the whole idea of, of uh, humbling ourselves under God's mighty hand is that we, we, we're coming to God now in, in humility and trusting God to lead us through uh, this time. Uh, the whole thing I think that is so uncomfortable for us with the coronavirus is that it's like the desert we talked about with Israel's people on Sunday. By the way, if you, did, if you weren't with us uh, live, you can go back and listen to the message. But deserts have no end. Like when you're in the middle of the desert, you can't see the end of the desert. In, in the same way, this coronavirus feels like that. Like we can't see the horizon. We don't see where it ends. But that, that passage from 1 Peter, the sixth verse, humble yourself under God's mighty hand and in his due time. God sees the horizon on the coronavirus. God knows when this thing is going to pass through and he is going to protect us and provide for us and he's going to lift us up. And for that reason, that's why we can cast all our anxiety on him. It's interesting. We can't really cast anxiety on him if we don't humble ourselves because as long as we're not humbling ourselves, we're keeping the anxiety and, and internalizing it. Folks, I want you to know that uh, Old Town Community Church, we are here for you. We're here to, to meet your needs. We're here to connect you with others uh, virtually. Join us uh, online for worship uh, each uh, Sunday morning. We're also going to be looking for ways for people to call in if they don't have online capabilities. Brian, will you tell them how they can connect for worship and Bible study? And Crystal, will you tell people about our daily prayer guide and then we'll sign off? Yeah, you can join us uh, in worship online at 11 o'clock at 
oldtown.cc slash live. You can also search on YouTube, Old Town Community Church, uh, and you'll be able to jump into our live stream there. Before that, on Sunday mornings at 9.30, uh, we have Bible study over Zoom. Uh, this past week, we had a great time together. Uh, we're going through the Book of Romans. We were in Romans 1 this past week. We'll be in Romans 2 this week. Uh, in addition to studying scripture, it's a really fun time to connect, to discuss that which we study, uh, and also see each other's faces for the people who log in uh, on Zoom. So there's information on how uh, to, the link to get into that class or the phone number uh, with the meeting ID for that class on our website, oldtown.cc. Great. Thanks, Brian. And how about a prayer guide, Crystal? We are releasing a daily prayer guide, which has a focused prayer for each day where we're focusing in on members of our community, both locally, statewide, nationally, and internationally that we can be in prayer for. This is sent via um, email, so you can sign up if you're not receiving it. You can sign up on our website. Again, that's oldtown.cc, and that will be sent to you every morning just to guide your prayer. Also, um, for those folks who aren't aware, on our website, there's resources for everything that you need, including online giving. So supporting the ministry through online giving, there is a link for that as well. Thank you, Crystal. And folks, let me encourage you to continue to support the ministry and to be faithful in your giving online. We are, we are ministering through a pandemic. I believe just as there, that we need to be mindful of the impact of the virus medically, we need to be reminded of the impact on people emotionally and spiritually. And as God's people, we need to be there and be ready. There are a lot, lots of questions people are going to be asking, a lot of openness, a lot of seeking. And so um, please continue to support the ministry uh, through your gifts. You can mail uh, your gift to the church and we'll make sure it gets deposited or you can give uh, online. Um, I want to uh, close in prayer. Our prayer focus for today through our prayer ministry is praying for the elderly in our community and I know, and, the, and the, those who have underlying medical conditions, uh, the most vulnerable. And I know uh, that each one of us uh, really want to do what we can uh, to protect these folks. So why don't we pray? And then we'll sign off. God, we, um, we do, we lift up uh, our, our fathers and mothers and grandfathers and grandmothers uh, our aunts and uncles, um, Lord, our friends. We lift up the elderly in our community who are so vulnerable and those with underlying medical conditions. And we ask that you would protect them or to pray that you would, um, Lord, shield them from uh, getting this virus. We pray for those in their families and those in their networks, uh, Lord, that they would be extra vigilant uh, not to to expose these family members to the virus, Lord. And we just pray for, Lord, uh, your care and your mercy on um, these cherished saints of yours. And so, Lord, we lift them up to you. Uh, we ask that you bless them, bless their caregivers. Uh, Lord, bless them, give them a sense of your companionship, uh, even in this time that feels potentially so isolated. And we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory. Thank you, God, uh, for sustaining us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to The Millennial, The Man, and Miss Crystal, a podcast ministry of Old Town Community Church. For more information on our church and other ministries, visit oldtown.cc.
Services are available to watch online every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Visit youtube.com. Search Old Town Community Church. This podcast and sermon audio are available on podcasting apps worldwide. Apple and Google Play. Search OTCC Podcasts.